0: called into. Uh, Mark Eiswander was here two weeks ago and he talked about this pairing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the fruits of the Holy Spirit and how the fruits really are the intention, the foundation in which the gifts are to be able to be displayed. And Steve talked about last week, this reality of what we're about at Vintage is majoring in this reality of experiencing and having this be the, the fruit of our lives, the the things that you see on this This picture behind me, these fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and self-control. How true is that your reality and your encounter and experience with Jesus in your life? Where it's less than what it could be, I've got good news for you. Our life, when we give our lives to Christ... We've done just that. And I think for so long, it's we get kind of caught up on Christianese language and we say, "Okay, I'm giving my life to Christ. But do you realize that's really what it is? It's it's not your life anymore. That you give your life to Christ and it is now his life to live. And just as as Steve talked about last week, Galatians 2.20, it is, Paul says, I have now been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That it's no longer my life. It's Christ's life. And it's his life to live through me. That he sends his spirit to empower me and that the kingdom of God is not some far off place that we go to when we die. The kingdom of God is here now present. And we can experience that as a reality. Experience that in the reality of who he is and what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. That it's now his life to live. And I get to no longer live the life the way I used to live it. I'm now called to and invited to a new way of life. Colossians 3, we hear about that, you know, this, the reality that we are being renewed into the image of our creator. That there is this new life, this new image, this new thing that God wants to do in us. And it's life. It's life giving. Jesus says, I came that you might have life, a spiritual life in abundance that's good news for you and for me. As we kind of pick up where we are in and looking at a few different things, the rea- there's this reality that there's a conflict. We looked at the, these, these gifts of, of the Spirit, I mean, these fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And, and the context in which that was shared is that there is this conflict, Paul says just a few verses er- earlier, this conflict between the Spirit and flesh. They are literally at war with one another. And that we need to live a life by the Spirit, a lit, learn and discover how to live the spiritual life that we've called to. And again, if you were here a couple months ago when I spoke, I kind of touched on this subject. But I grew up in a church and with this kind of understanding that, OK, well, I'm to get my get out of, frail, get out of jail or excuse me, hell free card that when I die, I get to go to heaven. And that's not The biblical standard, that's a half of the gospel. The other half is the good news that we get to experience the kingdom of God here and now every day. That we have an omnipresent God and he is not in some far off place of heaven. He is as real as the air that we are breathing now. Now, there are times where we feel like there is space from the reality of God's presence. But that space, that felt space, is an invitation to you and to me to close that space. That God wants to be known. It is His desire. It is His passion. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone that they did not want to be in a relationship with you? It's not a good thing, is it? Have you ever been in a relationship where you didn't want to be in a relationship with the other person? You know, in high school dating seasons, like, that's when you break up, Right? It's just not a good thing. You and I were not created to be in relationships that the other party, either you or the other party, don't want to be in. It's just not a good thing. There's heartbreak and just something really life stealing in that. And here's the reality. We're creating God's image. That's how God feels. He wants to be wanted in a relationship with you and with me. And so he invites us to a life with him that is far beyond what we may have even imagined. And even what you can't imagine, there is so much more that God has in store for you and for me. You see, we're going to look this morning at Luke chapter eight, verses twenty two through twenty four. But before we do that, I want to give you just a thousand foot view and I'm going to summarize this down Um, Because this is kind of a late start. So you guys are getting kind of a jam packed version of this sermon. But summarize this down. The thousand foot view over over Luke eight is that, you know, you're all you're all probably familiar if you've been in church before or heard Bible stories growing up. You know, this this parable of the sower and the seed and some seed fell on, you know, rocky soil. Some fell on the on the road. Other seed fell on good soil. And it produced a fruit, right? And so Jesus interprets this. And here's the summary of what he says. This seed that fell on good soil persevered and produced a fruit. It's a good thing. And that perseverance and producing is the same thing that runs throughout this chapter. That the Lord is pleased and desires for there to be a production of what he does in a person's life. The next thing you see in that passage is, you know, who takes a lamp and put it up, puts it under a stand. No, you should set it on a hill that it produces a light for those to see by. Right. Any of you, you know, his mother and, and, and brothers and sisters come, his family comes, he says, no, any of you who obey are my mother and brothers and sisters. And then we get to the story that we're going to dive into this morning is, is the storm, They get in a boat and they go to the other side. And when they go to the other side, Jesus goes and casts out these demons out of this guy named, nicknamed Legion. And he's commissioned. Jesus commissions him. He wants to, this guy who just got delivered, wants to go with Jesus. Get in the boat and go back to the other side and follow him around. Jesus says, no, go back to your hometown and tell the people what God has done for you. There is a production that should be taking it that Jesus is celebrating. So in this middle piece of this chapter, in this storm where Jesus... Instructs the disciples to get in the boat, what happens? Well, let's look at it. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. One day, Jesus said to the disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they get into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a boat at sea in a storm, but it's not a good place to be. The first time I ever went deep sea fishing, my, I was 14 years old. My dad took me in a boat, one of these charter boats where you got like 85 people on the boat. It's never, don't do this. Never want to do this. The boat should have never left the dock. The winds was, were way too high. The, the sea was crazy. And we had Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast. And I'm going to tell you, I've never looked at a blueberry, dunk, I mean, a blueberry donut like that again in my life. I mean, every time I see a blueberry donut, I have this memory of 17 times... Throwing up on the side of that boat. Do not, don't ever do it. If the sea is rough, do not get in the boat. Okay? But in this case, Jesus said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And you got to realize. So my question to you is, do you ever put yourself and imagine yourself in the reality of the story of the that you're reading? Imagine yourself as one of the disciples. I mean, half these guys were fishermen. The other half were not. So here's, you know. Guys, it was a tax collector and he was just, you know, sitting under a tree one day and Jesus says, come follow me. And he does. And next thing you know, he's in a boat in a storm. Waves splashing over. I'm sure seasick, throwing up like I was. They didn't have Dunkin Donuts back then. So that was a good thing for him. But the reality is he is not a happy Camper. It's so bad, and we see in Mark's telling of this story that it said that Jesus was up in the bow of the boat. So there must have been this covering up in the front of the boat. He was asleep on some, on some cushions, Mark's version says. Now, imagine how hard a sleeper Jesus must be that these men are fearing for their life, and here he is, dead asleep. Now, either he was just plumb exhausted from something, or he's like Timothy Parker and can sleep through anything. And you know what I'm talking about. The boy can sleep through anything. Here's Jesus sleeping through. And if it's to the point that these guys that are fishermen are saying, wake up, we're going to drown, then it's a pretty bad storm. Are you with me? They wake Jesus up. And what does he do? He comes up out of this hole and rebukes the winds and the waves and everything goes Still imagine it imagine being on the boat and experiencing and encountering that It'd be changed forever right that's what their experience was and then jesus asked a question he says where's your faith the next thing that happens is the scripture says they were in awe and amazed and said who is this that even the winds and the waves obey Friends, I got good news for you. Whatever storm you've experienced, whatever storm you go through in life or whatever storm you're in the middle in. Jesus can be Jesus and speak. But you see, there's more to it than that. There's this invitation to life in Jesus question. What an interesting question. You see, when Jesus asks this question, they were in the middle of. Thinking they were going to drown and he speaks and then asks the question. I think there are a lot of profound things that somebody could do in that moment. But Jesus asks the question, where is your faith? It's a question I'm asking you this morning. Where is your faith? You see, there's an invitation in that question. There's an invitation to the rally that these guys were sopping wet, drenched, thinking they were going to drown. And Jesus, by asking this question and staying asleep somehow in the bow of this boat... I think he's making a profound statement. This world is a perfectly safe place to live. When you have a father who is the creator of all things, limitless in his power, what is there to be concerned about? Do we really think that a storm or a circumstance or situation is beyond God's control? You see, Jesus wasn't concerned at all about whether or not they would make it to the other side or whether or not they would drown. He just kept sleeping. I got to imagine that the waves tossed him around a little bit to stir him. But he was at peace to be able to just roll over on that cushion and fall back asleep. I got good news. It's called the gospel. And that we're called Christians if we believe in this gospel and put our faith in Jesus Christ and that we can have that very same experience in whatever storm we go through. I'm not saying that the storms aren't real. In fact, Scripture very clearly says they were in danger. I'm saying whatever storm there is in your life, you can taste and experience a fruit of peace. Because I'm pretty confident that Jesus was at peace. While he was resting in that boat, while everybody else was in turmoil. And he asked the question, where is your faith? As if to say, do you not believe that my father in heaven knows every, knows every hair on your head, knows everything that's taken place. Don't you just remember that a couple days ago I raised this young girl from the dead? I mean, what is impossible for my father? Why are you concerned? Why would you think that we would drown in the sea when I've called you to get into the boat? Friends, every opportunity that appears to be a negative circumstance is an opportunity for Christ to lead you onto the own ramp of the life that he's called you to live. You see, it's not your life anymore. There are these there's this thing, this word, this term that we use in in scripture that's called faith. That is this invitation to life. And to eat of the tree of these fruits I literally thought about having an orange up here and kind of eating it through the whole sermon, but we didn't have enough time because we've got to pack this thing in. It's like how sweet this fruit of peace can be when everything that you've known about a, about a negative circumstance or a situation in your life has been something to dread and fear. You see, there's this word fear that's been haunting me really for the last couple of weeks for today. And I don't know who it is or what the situation is, or maybe it's for many of us, but... The Lord says many times in his scripture, do not fear, do not be afraid. I am with you. I am the Lord, your God. And yet we find ourselves time and time again, whether through through difficult circumstances, we find ourselves caught up in fear. You see, there is something much greater than fear. That fear is this hypothetical, mostly thing. There are three different kind of fear pieces. There's a hypothetical thing where you can look off into the distance and imagine something that's going to happen if we do this. like, you know, a, a, a mom that is completely gripped in fear won't let her kids go outside and play because she's fearful that they could run out in the street and get run over. Right. That's a hypothetical thing. You're thinking about the negative thing as though it were true, receiving it back as though it's going to happen and therefore be bound in this prison of this hypothetical thing that doesn't even have a reality to it. Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. But is it godly? And that fear is an invitation to apply faith. And implying faith, being set free from that fear. There's a... There's a Second is that there's this real fear of it's like walking down a railroad track and having to cross over a bridge and thinking, OK, if a train came and while I'm walking over this bridge, it would not be a good thing. That's a reasonable thing. And it's interesting to me that in the third way of fear is this specific moment that Jesus chooses to ask the question, where's your faith? You see, this third area of fear is that it is real. This is when your shirt's wet and you're soaking Because the waves are crashing in and you are in the middle of the storm and you literally have been a fisherman all your life and you think you're about to die. That's being in the midst of the danger. And it's interesting that this is the context that Jesus asked the question. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Don't you know that my father? Who he is? What he's capable of? And he speaks and everything becomes peace. And their result is they just encountered the power of God and they're left in awe and wonder of who he is. Friends, what's your boat? What's your experience? Because I can tell you this, when your eyes come off the waves and they call upon Jesus, he will speak and can speak. And you will be left in awe and wonder of the reality of who he is. See, all things work the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. It may not feel pleasant. I've got to believe that the tax collector who's puking up blueberry donuts in the back did not have a pleasurable experience, but a few seconds later, he's standing in the boat and the seas are calm and he's in awe. Wherever you are and whatever your experience is and whatever storm you're in, whatever the name of your boat is, if you live by faith, and look to Jesus. You can experience peace. That's good news for you and for me. While I was praying this morning with uh, Barry and Kathy Cox and, and Gerald in the back, um, I just had this verse come to mind. It was Psalm 27 4. You know, one thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may gaze upon the the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life and to seek him in his temple. And it's just so happened circumstantially, right? Circumstantially, we come in and and uh, Alyssa happens to just go through. If you were here for the first few minutes of worship, she just opened up and read Psalm 27. You see, I believe that the work of the spirit for you, if you're caught up in fear, is that he wants to place a seed, his word to invite you to a peace. He wants to invite you to this encounter with himself that settles everything where he moves in a powerful way in your life or or your situation. I can't say that you want that whatever the storm is in your life or whatever upcoming storm is 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 going to take place is going to be a a wonderful experience. I can say that in the midst of whatever storm you go through, it can be an on ramp into the life that Christ has called you to be. That you can literally praise God and thank Him for this difficult situation because of how you then encounter the reality of His presence. You can be left in awe and in wonder of who He is when you look back on who He's displayed Himself to be. You see, there's a difference in being Tom Brady and winning a Super Bowl and hearing about who won the Super Bowl the day after it happened. Right? Right? You both discover the outcome of who won the Super Bowl. But how much greater to have been somebody who participated and was in the boat and could say, this is my story. This is my experience. This is what I encountered when I was in this boat. God showed up and this amazing thing happened. Friends, God is calling you to get into the boat and to live a life, inviting you in a healthy way. Come live a life in faith. And taste and see for yourself. Encounter me and know how good I am. Don't just hear about second-hand story of somebody who watched it happen and think, Oh, that's good. They won the Super Bowl. The Lord wants to be known. He wants to be encountered. He wants to reveal Himself personally in your life and in my life. There are three main agents that the Holy Spirit uses to cause change and growth in our lives. Number one is people. In a positive way or a negative way, there's an encounter that you can have with people that can cause harm and and difficulty and change in your life. But there are also people that can be a positive influence where iron sharpens iron and and we, we as a body help build one another up. That's a positive thing. The discipleship is taking place. Those are positive things. Number two is circumstances. And number three are disciplines. Now, the first two are things from the outside that happen to you. The third is something from the inside that happens in an outward way. And you and I get to choose it. I had this picture in my head during the, during the first service, just during worship of, of this person. If you've ever been swimming in the deep end of a swimming pool and you were, you know, underwater, and you can look up and kind of see the surface. And, and this picture that I had was just that, you know, have you ever held your breath underwater in a swimming pool for a couple of minutes? You know, it's like kind of cool. Okay, I'm holding my breath. You know, as a boy, you're like, okay, can I swim all the way across, holding my breath for a couple of minutes or whatever? And 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 just in that last minute before you come up, there starts to get, be this little bit of a panic of anxiousness. Okay, I'm really like needing some oxygen right now, and so I'm going to swim up and, and take a deep breath. It's like, okay, I did that long, right? But just in those last few seconds before you have to kind of come up for air, there's a little bit of a a fear and a panic that sets in. And the picture that I got was just that I think there are a lot of us that are are stuck five feet under the water just with something kind of holding us on in it. And there's just a fear and a panic of whatever circumstance or storm in our life. And we just immediately start to kind of take control and step in and figure this thing out ourselves. When really, if we would turn to Jesus and, and, and just move our arms down and kick our feet a little bit, we could come up and breathe in this air of a new life. And it could feel like freedom. But for some reason, so many of us just hover there, floating under the water, without putting any effort or exercise into, okay, I can, I can press beyond this surface that's right above me and breathe in and taste this, Air This life, this life that Christ is calling me to, if only I will try and put some effort to join Christ and all that he's prepared. You see, if you don't have any, any discipline to move forward in a positive relationship with somebody who's going to disciple you or be a positive influence or encouragement to you, if you aren't bringing discipline to a circuit, to the negative circumstance or something difficult in your life, you're not going to grow from that. It's just going to be painful. But Christ is saying if you bring discipline to those things, then they can be not just painful. They can be life-giving. You follow me? Christ is inviting you to life. Sitting here on a Sunday morning really won't cut it. Doing your deed and saying your prayer at the dinner table really won't cut it. You see, Jesus... Wants to be encountered. And he is with you. I mean, with you, as close as the nose on your face, all the time, every day. And he invites there to be a a felt space because he wants you to close that space and to pursue him. Some of the great heroes of the faith. Practice uh, something I'm going to challenge you with this morning. One of these great heroes, George Whitfield, 18th century, known as one of the greatest evangelicals, you know, greatest preachers in history of Protest Protestantism. I can't say that word at the moment for some reason. He said before he retired each night, he opened his journal and probed his soul with questions. I'm just going to read a couple of them. There's a list of 10. I think they were. Probably hundreds of questions that he would probe himself with throughout his life. But he came. He he grew into a practice of asking himself spiritual questions every night before he went to bed. Here's one of his lists. Have I been fervent in prayer today? Today, have I after or before every deliberate conversation or action considered how it might tend to God's glory? Have I been meek, cheerful, affable? in everything I said or did? Have I been proud, vain, or enviable of others? You see, great heroes of the faith like John Wesley and, and, and uh, Jonathan Edwards and a li- the list goes on and on of men who learn to ask their soul a question at either the beginning of a day or at the end of the day. Practice this simple discipline. It's not discipline to like harm you. It's discipline inviting you to experience and taste life. How precious would biting into the fruit of peace be in the midst of a storm when you felt like you were going to drown? Because that's what it was like for the disciples in that moment. It went from chaos to peace like that when Jesus spoke. Jesus wants you to have the very same encounter. It's not a hypothetical thing. It's not a thing that could even be, you know, have a vision of taking place. It is in the midst of whatever storm, He wants to be able to speak and have you taste the goodness that He came to bring and produce the fruit of peace in your life. And you step back and say, Wow, I'm in awe and wonder of who you are. So I want to challenge you, I'm going to give you homework. Pull out your phone, take a picture, and we'll give you three reflective questions to ask yourself this week that hopefully will help you. So simplify your spiritual life, right? Just each day before you go to bed, join Whitfield in asking yourself some healthy questions. First question is, did I experience joy and pleasure today because of pursuing God? Second, as I encountered a challenge or fear, did I stop and imagine how big God is? And the third, have I led my heart to express my thankfulness to him today? Friends, something as simple as a discipline of self-reflective questions can, can, can just be a kick of your feet and a, and a swinging of your arms to press past this ceiling and to be able to start taking a breath of life that wants to produce a fruit. Jesus did not call you to, to become a Christian so that you had a, a stronger moral standard that caused you to, to fret and to worry and feel like you're missing out on all the fun. He called you to be a Christian and he placed his spirit within you because he wants you to taste things that you cannot have apart from him. And it is what true life is all about. So if you're somebody who feels like they have been trapped in fear that they only imagine the worst or they know that, you're, you know that you're bound by this situation or this circumstance or, or this fear of letting my kids out of the house type thing, whatever it is. If you feel like that's something that you are bound by, then I just want to invite you to come forward and let somebody pray for you this morning. I've been praying for you for the last two weeks. I believe the Lord wants to let you taste what peace can be like as you practice the discipline of trusting Him. With whatever's been binding you. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. This morning we have our offering baskets up front. We have communion that we invite you to come take. The team's going to come and just lead us in a, in a song or two that we can just, I just encourage you to just take a moment and recognize that the Spirit of God, God Himself, is, is present. He is here And we can encounter him. He wants to be known. Can you live your life and begin practicing and exercising and giving effort in a new way? Invite him to stir a hunger and a thirst for himself in you. Because in that, friends, is a life worth living. You don't have to be overwhelmed by the waves and the storm and the splashing seas. Jesus is right here with us. To be called upon and say, help. And I truly believe as you learn to do that and learn to take your eyes and your mind off of the storms and off of the things of life, but to be a seed in the good soil that your heart is first for God, then I honestly 100% and personally experience the reality of what it how good and how sweet and how precious it is to bite into these fruits of life.